You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. Let's turn to our next topic and guest of today. Uh, in the next twenty minutes or so, we are going to be chatting with John Rhodes, our regular whiskey commentator. But this time, John drops by to talk about gin. Welcome back on the show, John. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very nicely, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a summertime and we need gin. Yes, exactly. We are on Facebook Live also, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio Three. You'll be able to uh, see the lovely John and he's brought some goodies uh, along with him but as he he's so nice he knows I'm pregnant so I can't drink anything but he's brought uh, an aroma kit which we'll get to later on I can, I can still nose it is, yeah. is that the oh, phrase? Yeah, yeah I mean this is what uh, what it's all about for me it's always been aromas and flavours you know that's yeah. what people pay for this is what they like so you're known for your extensive knowledge um of whiskey how did you sort of fall into the the, the gin barrel ah gin um i love gin uh yeah absolutely love it it's it's something that i got into uh, it's probably my first let's say alcohol that i had in my uh, waking memory so my dad used to feed me um Oh, that's not right. He used to give me drips of whiskey as a baby, so that you know you're not really aware that was to make me to sleep. Quite common, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just yeah, to get quite, you to quite sleep. Um, but then gin was something uh, that my parents used to drink, and I got into that probably when I was around about twelve or thirteen, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, but at the time we were living in India, so you know I grew up in India, of course. Um, and gin is just synonymous, gin and tonic with living in India and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and that that was my first introduction. Uh, in fact, it was gin and lime, um, and I still have an absolute love for it, uh, even now. That's so yummy. Yeah, I'm a big fan of gin as well, and what I love about in recent years, we're seeing such an explosion of different flavours uh, of gin, which I'm sure you'll get to oh, as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been growing and growing and growing, and I'm, I'm watching it with fascination. I mean, whiskey obviously you know, took off and was a big thing, uh, still is, um, but now gin seems to have uh, taken over. It's taken over vodka in the UK uh, in terms of, uh, let's Seriously? say, being used in bar yeah just wow. recently or about a year or so ago um so it's been uh, uh growing and growing and growing um and it's yeah just people love it you can do so much with it um you know mixologists like it there's all different styles different flavors um and and it's such a versatile drink uh, and it's it's not as i wouldn't say it's not as that it's not as complex as whiskey. Whiskey's different. It gets its flavors from the barrel maturation and other things like that. Um, whereas gin, it's an infusion. Uh, mm. So it's a very different production process. And you can play with it. You can really craft it how you want. And consequently, there's been a lot of craft distilleries. You know, so, yeah, people really do go for it. Do you think that for many years people sort of uh, thought it was a boring spirit, you know, because it was just gin and tonic, whereas, you know, you can have vodka and coke, vodka and lime, vodka and etc. Whereas gin, you, I mean, mixologists love it because you can put it in a variety of cocktails now and people are more creative. But, you know, before it was really just gin and tonic. It was, and it was a very particular style of gin, which was really, let's say, the London gin. You know, it was <laughs> yes. very dry. It was, it was, it was kind of, uh, that was it. And it was always so, uh, let's say, the plebs drank beer and, and anyone else above that drank gin The and ladies, yeah. yeah. So they, well, it was the ladies, but, uh, you know, it was, to me, it's a sundowner. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it was just something that was, 
I suppose it had a little bit of a class distinction. Um, and there's a good reason why that happened. You know, there's this word, inevitably with all these things, history is my favorite sort of uh, part of it. Um, so if we go back to, you know, the origins of gin, the origin of the word, um, I think it started to really come out in medieval times. Uh, so it was done by Benedictine monks in, in Italy, I think, where they mixed malt wine. I'm not quite sure what they meant by that. Together with, uh, or, or wines, uh, together with uh, juniper. And that was the first, let's say, alcohol and juniper. And juniper is the so-called dry part of the gin. This is what's your classic London gin, dry gin. Uh, so juniper is the main, let's say, constituent uh, for that. Um, and it was, you know, from medi medieval times, it was for health, uh, supposedly, you know, chest, chest ailments, let's put it like that. So like all the spirits, they always had some sort of medicinal value. Um, and then it went on, so let's say, go another sort of 300 years to about the 1600s or so. Um, the English were introduced to it uh, in Antwerp uh, when they were in, doing their thing in Holland, having a, a few battles here and there. Um, and William of Orange came to the throne in England. And he was the one who really introduced it. Uh, and you got the expression Dutch courage. So the Dutch, uh, if you go back to, let's say, how the Dutch produced gin, they really did take it on board. Um, and they produced a stuff called Geneva. Um, and it's, it's really uh, from there. So that got changed into the word gin. Um, and this is where the origin of the word is. But Dutch courage, that was for uh, when the English soldiers came across the Dutch and they'd have some... Geneva before a battle to calm them down, hence Dutch courage. Oh, wow. So you get all these little expressions that come out from, from way, way back. Um, and then, uh, of course, at that time, uh, the English and the French started having a little bit of a, a disagreement, uh, one of many. <laughs> um, and uh, that, uh, during that time, uh, they sort of put a prohibition on brandy. Uh, so brandy was very expensive and they stopped that. Gin, on the other hand, was uh, pushed along by William of Orange, who loved it. Uh, and that was uh, the origins, uh, sorry, uh, the, <laughs> the start of gin. Um, so this was, you know, this is one of the sort of, let's say, the beginnings of it. It was cheap to produce. Oh, so it was a cheaper alcohol. Oh, it was very much a cheaper alcohol than brandy. Yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, but it's, it wasn't quite as recognizable as it is today, I would say. Um, so, you know, it's, it's if you look back, again, going back into those times, um, gin became more and more popular uh, in England. Um, and then, of course, the beginnings of the gin craze, uh, that, that was a big time in London, uh, so around about, say, 1700s. Um, and that was uh, a good and a bad time in many ways, but, um, but certainly for gin, it, it, it turned into something pretty awful. So the British government, they... Uh, they'd been trying to push gin uh, at the beginning. Um, and then they realized they had a bit of a monster on their hands because there was gin, gin everywhere. Somewhere in the, I think somewhere in the mid-1730s, 1730, somewhere on there, uh, they found, or they estimated, there's probably about 25% of the households in London produced their own gin, um, supposedly gin. Uh, and it was just, it was unreal. Um, and everyone, it was a real, you know, it was a real societal problem. Uh, to the point where uh, the, the British government put in a few sort of acts uh, of Parliament, um, gin to acts, to try and reduce it, oh. uh, which they eventually did by about 1750 or so. Uh, but then you had, you know, there's another origin of a word there, um, a housewife's ruin. Um, there's, a, there's a story to illustrate that. There's a woman called Judith, I think it was Judith Defour, uh, and she... Um, 
had a, a daughter, two years old, uh, uh, but uh, this woman, Judith, maybe uh, under the, the persuasion of a friend of hers, uh, took her daughter, who was placed in a workhouse. Um, they took her to a field, uh, took all her clothes off, shoved her in a ditch, left her, and went and sold the clothes and got a quart of gin. Uh, however, the daughter died. Um, uh, and, I mean, it was so bad. I mean, the, you know, the, the woman, she wanted to, to get gin, and it was just absolutely pervasive everywhere. Um, and uh, but she was con- she was convicted and uh, sentenced to yeah. death by hanging. <laughs> you know, uh, but I mean, it was, uh, the horrible stuff was going on like that uh, in those days. It was this was the the thing with the gin craze. Um, yeah, a, for our yeah. listeners tuning in, we're talking about gin this afternoon. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the history of gin for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll lighten up <laughs> with, with that side of things. But but that was the origin. You know, housewives ruin. It, 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 was, it was mother's ruin. Sorry, yeah. mother's ruin. Um, housewives ruin. I think it was more of a, a 1960s, 70s thing. Um, so yeah, it, yeah, it had, has got a bit of a, a history uh, behind it. Uh, yeah. Was gin um, sort of drank on its own then back in those days, like whiskey or brandy, or was it mixed? Because now, you know, you mix it with tonic, with other things as well, maybe? Uh, back then, yeah, you, you, there was the signs of, or the first signs of stuff. Um, certainly the Dutch, I think they were putting in other botanicals, let's say, oh, um, okay. mixing it in. And Geneva is generally speaking a bit softer than London Dry. Yeah. Uh, London Dry is... is proper london dry gin is just really just juniper uh, you know um and it's it's incredibly strong uh, i mean even the gin kit the aroma kit i've got it's got uh, green juniper pine juniper uh, herbaceous and waxy juniper woody resinous juniper so there's four different types of juniper aromas just in this one kit um and, and so it's it's uh, you know that's the mainstay of, of, of what gin was yeah and it's gin more of a seasonal drink as well um because whiskey or yeah you you can have it winter or summer but for some reason i always pims for example i associate mm, it with summer yeah. is there a similar association with gin i i, I don't know or i we think seeing... there is i think there is i mean it's it, you know I, people think of summer especially in hong kong you want something that's light flavorful and you can drink lots of without getting a little bit too drunk too quick you know uh, so beer fulfills that as well yes. um uh, so summer yeah tends to be the the light flavored or the lighter alcohols let's say the clear alcohols yeah. uh they they do tend to have a bit of a seasonal thing to them and as soon as it gets towards sort of you know winter then you start to get into the, the dark spirits so whiskey brandy things like that yeah. yeah there is a bit of a thing to it. let's perhaps talk about the trend uh the trendiness of gin also are you noticing that more and more people are drinking gin these days um, yeah, certainly in Hong Kong. Um, I mean, a few years ago, when I first started into whiskey, I actually came across people who were doing um, gin, a, a gin bar. And I learned an awful lot and had a tremendous yeah. experience there. Um, it's, it's a bar called Ping Pong. It's yeah. in... Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Um, and that, you know, they were, they were really, they were top notch. Um, and I learned an awful lot from them for, for gin because it was me it's like wow this is heaven <laughs> you walk into the place at you know, three o'clock in the afternoon it's like whoa <laughs> here you go and you can write off the rest of the day sort of thing but inevitably i was there with a notebook and pen and i was just you know learning an awful lot tasting a, nosing, a all gin that. geek i yeah turning into a gin geek um and uh, but it was it was very very informative now that there's you know i think there's uh two or three other bars around that have really good uh gin, you know, ranges of them. yeah uh, and, and cocktails and stuff yeah. So, and I think it's still probably got room to grow. Uh, again, it's it's easy, relatively easy to produce compared to something like whiskey. Um, and I'm glad to say 
that Hong Kong has its very own gin. <clears throat> um, there's the, the Hong Kong Distillery. Uh, they've, they've, they've been up and running and producing since, let's say, early on in this year, I think. Uh, and they produce a brand. It's called Handover Gin. Um, uh, but uh, they've uh, started by a guy uh, called Steve. Um, not James. Uh, Steve Newton. <laughs> um, and he... Yeah, he's he's been getting that uh, thing going for quite a while now, um, but they're now up and running, uh, and they have a, a very interesting uh, list of botanicals. There's at least sort of ten or eleven of them inside, and they're very much lo you know they try and make it as local as possible. Uh, so uh, so it's it's nice to see that you know finally Hong Kong's got a distillery, um, and they have the gin distillery. Uh, and um, I think they're going to be at the moment they have one uh, let's say brand or one product uh, I think towards the end of the year they'll have another three Oh, wow. uh, and you can get it around you know it's around town um, in, so it in, is very popular it's uh, yeah and I hope it gets more popular you know it's, I think it's, a, it's well worthy that stuff um, you know it's, it's highly enjoyable uh, you know um, but one of the I have to say one of the one of the ingredients I have to get this out here it's, um, it's, it's let's see it's Horny goat weed uh, is is, uh, well, <laughs> this is one of the botanicals, along with fresh ginger, coriander, orris, uh, orris root, and things like that in there. Um, uh, so I, I was asking him about this, and apparently it's um, uh, it's good for men's performance, um, uh, but it's good for women's bones. Oh. Why I don't know. Um, I don't know if the two of those are related in any way, but <laughs> yeah. wow. it's uh, yeah. Uh, so it was this was one of those sort of little botanicals that's gone into it, um, and I think that's a that's a very Chinese botanical. It's so experimental as well. You know, you can really just try and put different uh, herbs and stuff to infuse. Um, yeah. You know, before when you drink gin and tonic. It, it's a slice of lemon or lime if you're if you're fancy and and then it became cucumber for example and then you just add a range of different yeah. um the weirdest uh, thing i've ever found in my gin and tonic was a slice of peach and ginger Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah and, one offsets uh, the other, and it's a nice mix. It was kind of a – yeah, it was nice. Uh, you know, at first I was a bit unsure about that mixture, but then I tried it and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. It had a, it was sweet from the peach, but it had a kick from the ginger. So, yeah, it yeah. needs to balance up. Well, talking about that, I mean, then, of course, you know, let's see, uh, there's the Royal Navy, right? So uh, going back in history, Royal Navy – uh, well known for uh, taking limes on their ships, the sop scurvy and so on. Mm. They used to take beer. Beer wouldn't keep, uh, but gin would. It was easier to transport. So gin started to replace beer on board, and of course they'd mix it with lime to make it, uh, let's say, taste nicer. So there's your first gin cocktail you know, from back then. Um, the other stuff, of course, was uh, tonic water. So you had quinine. So in the days where, or the, you know, all these places with malaria, uh, people would take quinine to to offset the malaria. Um, or to prevent it, uh, but quinine is incredibly bitter. So they used to take gin, which is already strong in its own right, to offset the flavor of the quinine. So this company called Schweppes <laughs> came along and produced a nice tonic water. Um, and that was the, the that was your classic gin and tonic from, from back then. Um, there's now another company out there called Fever Tree. Uh, they're very, very well known, huge now. And um, it's the bark of the fever tree that produces quinine. Hence the name Fever Tree. So there you go. Uh, and they, yeah, they're big on the scene as well. So there's all sorts of, you know, all these additional things that people put into it uh, yeah. and, and have that you can just create different flavors or different flavors of tonics as well uh, that are out there uh, yeah. to go with different flavors of gin. So you get the tremendous 
array of combinations uh, of flavors going on there. So yeah, mixologists love that stuff. Well, we've got about five minutes before the 2.30 news. Perhaps, uh, John, you can stay on a little bit uh, after the news as well. Maybe we can uh, have a look at the aroma testing kit. It, it, does it work on the same principle as a whiskey aroma? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, it is. Uh, there's so many different flavors and aromas that are in gin, but uh, this one has, let's say, fairly reasonably common ones. And um, w which are the ones that are listed again? Well, there's four types of juniper. There's coriander, grapefruit, lemon orange, uh, cucumber. Uh, another one, my favorite, is forest floor. Um, now, when they were developing forest floor, they had a huge argument within the company uh, between the, the, the people who did the aromas. Uh, well, let's say, let's say a heated discussion um, about which kind of forest? European? Mediterranean? Was it deciduous pine? Uh, so they had quite a discussion about this. Um, uh, but eventually, they I think it was some sort of Mediterranean, kind of uh, northern Mediterranean, let's say, uh, in winter. <laughs> They're as specific as that. And um, does it, uh, so what does the aroma kit sort of tell us? Hold it up so our Facebook listeners, oh, okay. yeah, uh, Facebook yeah, yeah. viewers well, can also see it. Basically, the kit is like that. So you've got 24 little bottles there. Wow. Um, and you use perfume strips inside okay. them. Uh, and you can get each individual aroma, but at the same time, if you mix them together, you can create a flavor profile, just like the whiskey kit. Uh, and this is where you can get, uh, if, you, you know, if you're really into it. Um, uh, but, I mean, things like cassia bark, uh, even nutmeg, um, and there's, there's one, you know, chamomile, lavender, rose, violet, uh, dark cocoa, vanilla, uh, licorice, licorice. Ah, That's yeah. That's a weird one for Licorice gin? root. Um, and very interestingly enough, the one guy who ever got that, when I've been playing with a kit with, with other people, you just have some fun with it, um, he, he picked it out. And that's because as a kid, he used to go to um, South Wales on holiday and they used to dig up licorice plants and it was the root. And he was, he was very specific. He noticed it straight away. He was like, oh, I remember this. It was a childhood memory thing uh, for him. He's the only person I've ever come across who's managed to, to get that. Uh, so, yeah. So you get all sorts of stuff in there. I must say, licorice root is a great ingredient in face masks as well. Uh, it's okay. weird. Yes. So, I don't know. Maybe there's something, I don't know, linking between... Maybe people can put gin on them. Anyway, uh, topic Well, gin works it. from the inside out. Yeah. The other one works from the outside <laughs> yeah, Exactly. It's a different, different so application. What's your prediction for gin then? Are, you gonna see, are we going to see more gin bars uh, here in Hong Kong? Are people more appreciative of gins? And are we going to see different, more different flavors of gin as well? Different flavors? Um, yeah, I mean, there's already a bewildering array of you know, styles and types of gin um, I, I did a, a little bit of a judging in a competition a couple of weeks ago for, for a magazine, um, and I was astounded at how many different categories of gin there are now. Uh, so you've got the flavored gins, slow gin is in its own category, dry, Plymouth, uh, and yeah, it's just it's like, wow, how, you know, how, how do you sort of like um, pick on it? So it's it has no restriction in terms of uh, rules and regulations, whereas whiskey is a bit more... Uh, constrained uh, I would say um, but I mean with gin you even get uh, barrel aged gins uh, but not more than say six months in the barrel because the wood starts to take over the gin too much it gets oh, too woody okay. so anywhere between two and six months apparently that's that's the, the rule of thumb um, and you get you do get them uh, uh, I have tried them uh, but I, I think it's a bit of a challenge to to get the 
the gin or the whiskey flavor from the whiskey barrels that they've put the gin into. Uh, so I've had a try. Yeah, I've tried one or two. Or something. Have you tried a, a Cheryl ba- uh, barrel gin before? Uh, no, no. Um, no did they, did it's, they do so that far, either? it's just been whiskey. I, and I think the the barrel needs to be seasoned with something else beforehand. Um, and, and whiskey was quite the the vogue thing, you know, for for gin makers to do it. I don't know who else does barrel aged gin, and I don't know if they just only do whiskey barrels or if they use other ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, a wet cask will hold possibly, if it's a really large wet cask, it can hold up to you know, a few litres of, of liquid within the wood if it's really fresh yeah. uh, because it's been sort of soaked in. Before I let you go, what's the uh, nicest gin mixture you've ever tried? I know it's difficult. Ah. Don't mean to put you on the spot, <laughs> but I'm just curious. You must have tried so yeah, many no, different I have, combinations. I have a real, uh, my, my go-to is uh, it's a tall glass ice, um, a, a dry gin, fer- fairly strong dry gin, uh, and then fresh lime. And that's the thing, fresh lime with honey. Uh, with honey? Yeah, yeah, fresh lime with honey. Uh, put in the gin, double shot. Uh, put in a little bit of uh, soda or just plain plain water, um, and, and then a, a little sprig of mint uh, in a tall glass, um, and that that hits the spot for me. Wow. Okay, John. Well, thank you very much indeed for your sharing uh, this afternoon, and uh, we'll return to this uh, after the two thirty news. <laughs> Right, welcome back to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon, and I'd like to welcome back to the studio John Rhodes, our whiskey commentator. But also this time we're talking about gin, as that is his first love, kind of. Yeah, yeah, my first waking love. I think. <laughs> the other one was sentient for about twenty years. <laughs> so, um, uh, we, we, for those of you who want to join us as well, we are on Facebook Live. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio Three. John, let's go back to a little bit of history. You mentioned during the news break a bit of interesting history, uh, also about beer and gin. Yeah, well, um, I mean, the, the gin craze was what seventeen finished around about seventeen fifty. Um, they had a few acts of parliament, of course, to to stop gin. Uh, but weirdly enough, they had um, acts of parliament to get rid of taxes on beer. Uh, they were really trying to get people to drink more beer. Uh, they saw that as a, a solution to, let's say, a slightly lower amount of alcohol for intake uh, rather than gin. Um, there's a guy called I think it's William Hogarth is his last name. He did a couple of very famous drawings and uh, pictures, and it's worth looking up uh, these things on online. Uh, one was um, Gin Alley and Beer Street. And Beer Street was depicted as this happy people having a great fun time with beer. When you looked at Gin Alley, it was awful. Uh, mothers dropping babies and, and all sorts of things. I mean, it's, it was real propaganda at the time. Take a look at both of those pictures. Uh, I encourage anyone to. It's, they're, they're very, very well done. Uh, Hogarth was a satirist at the time, but that was used as propaganda to try and stop people from going into gin and going for beer instead. Um, so, so gin went into decline, sort of like 1750s onwards, uh, but it started to, to kick up again. Um, interestingly enough, I think somewhere around towards the end of the 1700s, there was like one major gin producer left in London. Uh, by it was, it was a guy by the name of Alexander Gordon, Gordon's Gin. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know. So you know, they, they, they go back. They got some history. Those guys. Um, and but they uh, proudly at that time were proud about uh, doing their distillation three times. Um, but then in the early 1800s, uh, this Irish guy came along who produced a, a new method of distillation, uh, Aeneas Kofi, 
and he was actually uh, um, he's, he's very well known obviously in the whiskey world but uh, his method of production was, was much quicker much cleaner so you didn't have gin that was produced that had bits of sawdust and other stuff in it um, uh, so Kofi's gins produces very nice light clear crystal clear liquid uh, and, and that's where gin started to go up in terms of quality so that was around about say 1820, 1830 um, and uh, when that happened the production of gin improved in terms of quality and there was a bit of a resurgence starting a little, a little while, you know, after that so say during Victorian times um, and this is where you started to get the separation of gin being seen as a more upper-class kind of drink and beer as uh, for the plebs and, and the lower orders, basically, uh, except if you live in the Far East in summer. Anyway, um, and so, you know, uh, it was... Uh, well, Australia, uh, uh, the oh, beer oh, gardens, oh, oh, yeah. Lower of the low. You, know, you, know, this, this is far, you can't get further than that, except maybe New Zealand. But anyway, um, but yeah, the, the, the thing with the, the class separation was interesting. So um, establishments started to appear uh, that were very nice. They had lots of glass, they had mirrors and everything like that for, for drinking, well, not just gin, but mostly gin. And it became a slightly upper class thing. Uh, whereas beer was in dark and dirty, dingy pubs. Uh, and this is where you started to get the separation. But it's also the, the origins of the term gin palace. Uh, so this is where that term comes from. Uh, it's back from those days. Um, and you hear the term here in Hong Kong. What you've got here is floating gin palaces. You, know, you see them every weekend going putting out to cycle and so on. Um, so this is, you know, this is what I love about all of these things with spirits and everything. Uh, the tremendous history, all the words and everything that you get. It just, there's a reason why it's there. Uh, so I, I enjoy that part of things as much as well, drinking the stuff, obviously. And I enjoy having you on the program because we get a history lesson as well. <laughs> with, with gin, who knew there were so many, like you said, so many words and phrases that were linked to... Did oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, like I said, the mother's ruin. Yeah, there's, there's, there's tremendous stuff. Um, Dutch courage. Dutch courage. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, if you're that drunk, you, you're going to be sort of shooting your gun straight or whatever they had in those, oh, those bows and arrows. And um, they didn't have guns, I don't think, in the late 1600s. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, this this whole thing with it is um, the same as whiskey and, and how various sort of terms came out from that yeah. Um, yeah so it's been quite an interesting uh, history with gin which has gone up and down up and down and now it's back up again back up again um, yeah. so it's got quite a, a varied history uh, but it's, it's very societal it is uh, what association do you make with the people uh, drinking gin also because you know sometimes people think of it as a ladies drink but actually no it's also a, a a man's drink as well is there a because before you know we used to think of whiskey being a man's drink but then you debunked that myth and said no actually a lot of women enjoy it what do you say uh, about a uh, gin is there a distinguish yeah gender? there is there is there is um i okay i mean going back in my own sort of my own youth when i was younger um i was about 22 I was living in Bath, and I got a job in a fish farm up in the far northwest of Scotland. So that was my first ever proper job, and away from home and so on. Um, and we used to live in this horrible, horrible little hovel provide, provided by the, the company. Uh, you know, broken windows, it was just wooden walls, it was a real shack. But for people of my age uh, at that time, it was great. You know, <laughs> it was a real uh, freedom. Heaven. Yeah, freedom. <laughs> uh, you could do anything in it, and you couldn't ruin anything because it was already in bad condition. So it was, it was fantastic for bachelors. Um, and, and this is, you know, there's about four other guys living there. We lived about a mile and a half, two miles away from the local village. Uh, this was up in Alupul, uh, way up in the northwest. Uh, and 
I used to drink gin and tonic. So when I went there, go to the local pub, I just ordered gin and tonic. And oh boy, <laughs> talk about social exclusion. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it didn't work. Um, and I still stuck, I stuck with it for about six months and eventually I gave in to beer. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it was, it was... Peer pressure. Yeah, it was real beer pressure. <laughs> it was just like that. Um, and, and it was, and it's, that really, there's a lot of that has changed. It's, it's not as bad as it was then. Uh, and of course, okay, Alapur's a tiny village up in the, out in the sticks. Um, but it's, I think gin now uh, as a more sophisticated drink has come along uh, and uh, it's, it's a much more accepted thing, I would say. It's, especially because of the mixologists. Mm. Bartenders love it, uh, as I said. So uh, that's helped as well. Uh, and you get so many different types of gin now. Um, you know, uh, uh, going on to that, yeah, we've let's got talk the various, the let's say, yeah, the, 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 let's say the different styles. I mean, the, the traditional ones, London Dry, um, that's always with, with Juniper. Uh, but then you had the, uh, the Genevers, uh, which was produced by the Dutch. Um, uh, and then you had, well, let's see, you had uh, Plymouth Gin. Uh, Plymouth uh, had two. Plymouth Gin had two things going for it. Of course, it was um, produced in Plymouth only, uh, supposedly at that time, um, and uh, it was a, a softer style. It had a few more botanicals in it uh, than London Dry, so it wasn't quite as um, punchy, let's say, as London Dry. Um, and then you had uh, Tom Collins. Uh, sorry, sorry, not Tom Collins. That's an actual drink. Yes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It's getting close to five o'clock now. <laughs> I'm already thinking about that now. Um, yeah, so it was, it was old Tom. Um, and old Tom, again, it comes back from the days when gin was being pushed out of the way in, in, during the gin craze. Um, and old Tom was, was, um, it was basically a, a plaque or a wooden board that was outside uh, an establishment, let's say a pub. A pub. Uh, and the authorities were trying to crack down on gin. So you'd have the shape of a black cat. Uh, which is this is what old Tom was. Uh, it was that particular plat, Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Yes. So th that's what that was. Um, and at the bottom of the paw, traditionally, uh, this is what they said, is there was a slot you put the coin into, and out of a, a tube, it was a lead pipe actually in those days. You then the bartender would then pour a shot of gin out the tube, and you'd be outside on the street just surreptitiously helping yourself and where you go and this was their way of trying to keep things clandestine uh, as the authorities were trying to clack, crack down on gin an old school vending machine it was an old school vending machine very very manually operated <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you got all of that sort of stuff but old tom was also a softer style uh, of, of, of gin uh, so you had you know those, those let's say those kind of styles of gin um, and now you you can get gins that have virtually no juniper in them at all. Uh, they don't have that harshness, let's say. Uh, and there's some fantastic sipping gins. Uh, gins from Spain are superb, absolutely superb. From I, Spain? Mm, yeah, wow. I, I very, very strongly recommend people to try some of the Spanish gins. Uh, they, they're really, really fantastic. Uh, the other bunch are really good. Uh, eventually, they caught up, I suppose. Uh, actually, that's that's unfair. Is our good friends, the Americans? Um, they. Uh, I, I wasn't saying that in a sarcastic way at all. Um, no, the, the Americans produce fantastic gins, uh, and this was gin was a real thing during the days of prohibition, of course. Uh, so that that opens up another chapter. Yeah. <laughs> that can go on. You know, there's another half, half hour of chat there. Um, and Bombay yeah. Sapphire is really from Bombay, or is that um, supposedly it came from a? Uh, or was, is it, it really a, British? I think it was a recipe that was found somewhere during the days of the British, but it was there. Okay. Uh, this this is what the the myth goes. Um, but it was a very much softer drink, and there's gins there that are really you can just have them straight 
uh, with a clunk of ice, and it's really? they're great. Yeah, wow. they're, they're sipping gins. Don't don't be afraid to ask if you're going into anywhere. Just ask for a sipping gin, um, and see what kind of flavor styles they offer you. You know, if you're looking for something citrusy, something floral, whatever, they they should have it in some of the good places. Uh, but do try some of the Spanish stuff. Oh wow, that's so, so eye-opening. I'm still sort of very juvenile with my. I'm still I'm stuck in Hendrix. Uh, oh, era. Well, Hendrix, they were a first mover of, of doing, let's say, much softer style of gin. Exactly. It was the cucumber. It was the cucumber, yeah. 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 Um, and they were, I mean... William, Going back 10 years ago now. Oh, yeah, or, I think it was a bit more than that. I oh, think um, that? William Grant is the company, whiskey company, oh. um, who uh, did that. And they did it as an experiment, as a, you know, basically as a shot to nothing. They thought, well, if it failed, no big deal. They still had their whiskey business. Um, but in a, instead, it, it just shot up into popularity which showed that there was a demand for a non-London style gin that wasn't so strong wasn't but so people strong, still yes. wanted it uh, or they liked you know, it fit the palate and what they enjoyed um, uh, so they, they got a little bit lucky I would say um, but and the uh, cucumber was, was just genius. It was so refreshing. Yeah. I mean, nobody thought, I mean, just a piece of vegetable would go so well. But it's, that's one of the things that they, yeah, it was, it was very, very well done. Um, and like you say, what did you have? Your ginger and peach, right? So peach is quite a, I would say it's a little bit sickly sweet for my palate. <laughs> but is ginger good. is also, for me, it's, quite my wife sweet. loves it, yeah. uh, but I can't, you know, it's just way too strong for me. But the combination, yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. You know, there's, if you get the balance right, it's like perfect. Yeah. Um, and then, what are we doing for time? Okay, so there's another story I've got is is about uh, there was this. Uh, I met a teacher uh, here, um, and he'd been working in Malawi, uh, and he said it was it was something that all teachers in Malawi always enjoyed was the MGT. So it was Malawi Malawi gin and tonic, and it was a gin that was made in Malawi. However. Uh, did a little bit of digging into this because I thought, oh yeah, great, I've got to bring that to Hong Kong because it was so, you know, he, he said, oh, can you get this? Can you get this? You know, he wasn't a whiskey guy at all. Um, yeah, I tried converting him, it didn't work. <laughs> you know? um, and I got, you know, finding out a little bit about the Malawi gin and essentially what, ha uh, the way that they used to make it was they would buy it. It wasn't an infusion. Um, uh, so traditionally gin is made by, uh, you get a base spirit uh, you infuse it with botanicals, uh, maybe for 48 hours, and you then take that resulting liquid, boil it in a still, uh, and then you know it condenses, uh, and that's that produces your gin. You water it down to about 40% alcohol, uh, and bottle it. Essentially, that's 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 one of the ways of doing it. Uh, the other way is you take the botanical and put it into the gin vapor as it's going through. So that's another way of doing it. Um, and yet another way of doing it is uh, they take the individual botanicals and produce a liquid from it. And then they blend those different uh, liquids, and there's a lot more control over that uh, as to the flavor profiles that you get. So, that, you know, there's, there's different ways of producing gin wow. um, like that. Is blended gin quite popular then? Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, I think there's certain people who think that you can have a lot more control over it. So you can do it. It's like blended whiskey. Yeah. You know, you can, you can make a recipe in a particular way. Whereas if you stick in a bag full of botanicals, um, all it takes is for one botanical to be slightly off and you're not going to get the same flavor exactly the same each time. Uh, I, I suppose that's the thinking. I, I don't really know enough about it. Um, but going back to the Malawi thing, right, the way they made their, their gin was they, they get the base spirit, and I think they made that locally. But um, the flavors was essentially a powder that was brought in from Germany. Uh, you know, there's a lot of these companies in Germany that produce uh, flavors and flavored oils and all sorts of stuff there. Um, 
However, uh, the president of Malawi at the time, I don't know how many years ago this is, by the way, it's at least 10, 15 years, something like that. Uh, he bought a presidential jet uh, and he emptied the country's foreign reserves of US dollars. As a result, they went into debt and as a result, they couldn't pay for the, the stuff from Germany um, because it was all in US dollars. It wouldn't take local currency. And so Malawi gin disappeared. <laughs> that was the oh. end of that um, because they couldn't get the flavors that they wanted, which is, and I was looking, you know, when I think back on it, I think, why didn't they just use the local botanicals? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there must be stuff there in, in places, you know, parts of Africa where they got the herbal and, and whatever. Rich that. with it. But yeah. it was just the fact that, you know, the guy just bought his presidential jet and that was it. It wiped out the country's foreign reserves and no more gin. No more gin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so there's a 10 years link between all of that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was all sorts of little stories that you get, you know, sort of yeah. <laughs> sitting around this part of the world. You mentioned just now, uh, John, about Spanish gin, are we seeing any regions of Asia that uh, that's producing its own gin? I mean, you mentioned Hong Kong. We we, we produce some of our Japan. own gin. Inevitably, Japan. Japan. Um, yeah, I mean, Japanese, the Japanese are they're masters at, at, at uh, blending. They're, this Probably is they some are cherry masters. blossom gin gin lying around. They definitely have it. Yeah. Um, and I've tried a couple of them. Uh, they're pretty steep in price. I, I'm going to put that out there straight away um, because it's Japanese. Yeah. Anything that's Japanese seems to sort of command a 30% premium. Um, but it's they make some very good gin. Uh, Suntory have one, I think it is. Um, and it's, it's superb. We, we were, you know, we, we had a retail shop here. Um, I was going to sell it in the shop, but I actually drank it. So <laughs> I kept it. Um, but we didn't uh, reorder anymore. Uh, we're, we're sort of in between shops at the moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was very, very nice. Uh, uh, I mean, we only bought a case, but nonetheless, you know, when you've got um, a few people around, it's... Pew, disappears exactly uh, you know, um, that's what it's for it's, you should enjoy it sure. yeah okay japanese gin any taiwanese gin i was just wondering. um nothing of quality that i've heard of okay <laughs> put it that way um i think there are probably some gins i certainly philippines they have some gin but it's, oh, interesting. it's pretty rough yeah, yeah it's a little bit rough stuff there uh but i in they probably honesty, do a lot better rum uh, they do. They yeah. definitely do. Uh, yeah, rums. I mean, we can talk about rums. That's, that's another one there. You know, there's all sorts of topic for another day. Yeah, yeah, it's a topic for another day. Um, but yeah, there is. There are people that do produce uh, uh, gins, or, you know, around in Asia. But um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm incredibly proud that Hong Kong's got its own own place. I, I, I'm going to plug that guy again. Yeah. So yeah, Hong Kong gin. Look for handover gin, folks, um, and really give it a, a give it a go. I think a you'll quite enjoy. A local gin it. producer. <laughs> yeah. um, so you mentioned just now before I let you go that we don't be afraid to try gin on its own. That they're you know Ask sipping gin. Go to. Yeah, I mean, I would say a lot of, a lot of bartenders they or bars they tend to have let's say standard types of gin. But there are a lot more now who actually do know that there's different flavors and you get asked for a sipping gin, the gin that you can really just sit down at based on the kind of palate that uh, you have or what kind of flavor style you want. Yeah, this may seem like a silly question, but what kind of glass would you use to drink gin? Because whiskey, there's a specific, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, specific glass. But gin, do you use a tumbler? Do you use a tall glass like you um, would for gin and tonic? If it's a mixed drink, yeah. If you're using, you know, if you're just going to have it with ice straight, then just a tumbler. Okay. Um, and if you're going to take, uh, say, a cocktail, there is actually now a gin glass for it. So it's like the old-style Paris goblet, wine goblet, uh, which is th that really old-fashioned, I think of it as Rounded. a 1970s round thing, not very big, yeah. but it's like that on steroids. Uh, and this this thing is is huge. Um, I'm going to Google. Really, yeah, yeah, go for it. Gin, gin goblet. Gin goblet, I think, is, uh, have you got that? It's, it's this big thing. 
It's fantastic. It looks uh, like a, a a wine glass, a red wine glass. So they're one of those fancy ones, but a thicker stem. Yeah, oh, it has to be. It's actually, that thing is quite big. I mean, we're, we're talking like, um, you know, it's around about that kind of size. Yeah, a double ball. tennis it's, ball, it's yeah. yeah uh, like, so. a, like a lawn bowling ball. Oh, yeah, you could cut one of those in half, stick a stem <laughs> on it and scoop it out and away you go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it does have its own glass. But if you're drinking it straight, I think just, you know, you're fine. Unless you really want to get into it, then you get really like a balloon glass of brandy. Put in a tiny bit of gin, swirl it around to get the aromas because it's a very light. Uh, it's different from whiskey. Uh, so they tend to be much lighter um, for the aromas. So if you want to pull those out, really pull those out, use a, a large brandy balloon uh, if you can with as as a smaller mouth as possible and a bigger bowl as possible and that that brings it out but they're those ones are kind of hard to get yeah uh, a bit too specialist but yeah 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 exactly <laughs> maybe you need to go to a gin specialist bar is there anything on the aroma kit you wanted to okay. oh, yeah, yeah. sort we, of touch we, on anyway. before we go oh that one's already gone um yeah let's see what we got so Sorry. john's just nosing yeah the, so let's, let's, let's our, put this our in. facebook uh viewers they can see it um so you just get that it's just dipped Right, okay. so that one is, so that's green juniper. Oh, okay. Um, and these actually, because the aromas are fairly light, they actually burn off quite quickly uh, on, on, the, uh, on the aroma strips. Wow, yeah, um, it's very ginny. It's just, your, this is what you think of as gin. Gin. You know, this, everyone just didn't realize that it actually it's, it's juniper. It's almost medicinal. It's got that medicinal smell to it in a good way, you know, in a soothing kind of... Ah, uh, yeah. I, I like the word soothing and gin all in one <laughs> sentence. It, it fits nicely. <laughs> oh, let's, let's go for number 12. Um, Oris. I just oh, like the name of the, the name. John, you know me. I'm terrible at guessing sort of... Oh, no, no there's no way I was going to guess any of these. There's a lot of... I mean, some of the, the stuff I've come across before, yeah, but some of these ones... Okay, so... That's a very light... That's actually a very light aroma. Um, let's try the one that I had the argument with, oh. which was Forest Floor. I like uh, this one. This third one you've given me, what am I smelling? That's Oris. It's dry root Oris. Oris. Oh. Um, and Not this heard was of the Oris one. before. It's quite a nice name. I'm looking for a baby's name. Oris. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No. Okay, this is the fourth one I'm smelling. Oh. It smells like... I don't know what it smells like. Because uh, it's a mix. That's the forest floor that oh. they were having this huge argument about. Wow, I would never uh, know it's forest floor. Who goes ruffling around in forest floors yeah. to discuss and then have an argument about it. Um, people who produce this kit, obviously. But, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> but I, to me, that one smells... That could be just like, uh, you know, if you get a basic flavour profile there. So... This is, let's say, quite wood. There's a lot of woody flavors here, you know, from the licorice and so on. I think gin is one of those. And uh, that starts to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can get so experimental uh, with it as well. Remind our listeners once again, John, uh, where we can find uh, your shop. Is there a website? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, we're, we are actually in between shops. Um, we are going to open up in Wan Chai. We, we did have a place in Harbour City and we were also in K11 previously. Um, but uh, it's the good old Hong Kong story with uh, tenancy and 
you know, landlord We can still crisis, go onto your da, da, website. Da, da, da. <laughs> the website's, yeah, the website's there, but it's because I sort of, I'm, I'm in charge of it. It's a horrible mess and there's nothing going on with it, to be honest. I'm, I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge uh, with us, uh, as always, uh, this time with Jen, and I look forward to having you back on. Thank you very much uh, for the wonderful history anecdotes as well. Thank Pleasure. you. Pleasure.